0: Sensor web to me is how can we connect different sensor systems into one system of systems? So instead of multiple networks, how can we put them all together into one coherent system of systems? And what kind of insight and actions can we do by combining them into one? Welcome to Clean Tech Forward, a foresight podcast where we explore clean tech customers, capital, and Canada's path to net zero. Tune in to learn more about Canada's most exciting clean tech startups, industry success stories, investor insights, and academic initiatives as we accelerate the growth and impact of clean tech together.
1: Welcome to Clean Tech Forward. I'm Jeanette Jackson, CEO of Foresight Canada and host of the Clean Tech Forward podcast. Today I'm joined by SensorUp CTO Steve Liang Steve is one of the world's foremost experts on the Internet of Things, having authored international standards on how to interconnect the world's IoT data into a coherent system of systems. At SensorUp, he and his team are now using that technology to tackle climate change. They are using this data to give businesses a clear picture of their emissions and where they can find efficiencies. This Cleantech Forward podcast is supported by Gowling WLG, a global leader in intellectual property law Gowling WLG works alongside Canadian cleantech companies to develop IP strategies that maximize business opportunities and increase market share while protecting valuable innovation. From idea to investment to international expansion, Gowling WLG understands the potential of your intellectual property at every stage of growth. Visit gowlingwlg.com backslash cleantech to learn how they can support your business today. Steve, welcome to Clean Tech Forward. Thanks for having me. Steve, I've heard that SensorUp is really the digital nervous system for climate change. Can you tell us what is SensorUp and what are you guys working on?
0: Great. So SensorUp is a NATO award-winning IoT platform. So we are the digital nervous system or a data fabric between an organization's real-time data to think about, you know, real-time data is from sensors from your tracking system where you are what conditions and we feed those data into predictions because you know you have visibility from real-time data but what you really want is predict for example how much emissions um or leaks of my assets it's going to happen right and then from the data real-time data visibility and to the predictions, which is the AI, and you want to do some actions, so operational execution. So we are the data fabric, the digital nervous system to stitch these different things together, data predictions and operational execution. And that's what we do.
1: Incredible. So you are a professor and the IoT Research Chair at the University of Calgary. How did you come up with this technology and concept?
0: Uh, <laughs> movies. It was my master thesis topic, PhD thesis topic, and then back in 2002, my professor told me an idea called sensor web. So I asked him, right, the first week when I joined the university and uh, uh, master studies, right, and I asked, "What's sensor web?" He said, "I don't know. You figure it out." I just found his name, so that became my topic. So from that, uh, I define okay, sensor web to me is. How can we connect different sensor systems into one system of systems? So instead of multiple networks, how can we put them all together into one coherent system of systems? And what kind of insight and actions can we do by combining them into one? And then that become my research for the past almost 20 years.
1: Had you always envisioned that the technology would be tied to climate sustainability, or did you start with a whole bunch of ideas and navigate down to that focus?
0: Um, We try multiple ideas and actually, you know, just like the web, right? So the worldwide web, you can build all kinds of different solutions on top of the web. So for sensor web, same thing, right? But we typically, we start from where like the place, which is mature in kind of sensor technologies, right? The sensor rich applications, what application require many, many different sensors. You know what? Environmental sensors, weather stations, climate, you know, the sensors monitoring climate. They are mature, the ocean sensors, right? So naturally, it's a place we start to focus. Okay, it also, you can see a lot of these sensor data are, when, when we say mature, they have quality, high quality data, right? The government put a lot of money to you know, monitor the environment, right? For weather, for disaster purposes. It's just a good start.
1: Now, you made a bit of a joke about the movies. I'm a fan of The Matrix. I've seen the new one come out uh, just late last year. Is there a kernel of truth there? Did you really think about some movies that incentivized you to go in this direction as well?
0: Some of the movies, right? So inspire me or borrow or stole the ideas from. So one example is like the enemy of the States, Will Smith, they have whole kind of sensors, monitoring, try to hunt down uh, Will Smith. And that's one example about, you know, how the using different sensor systems and to achieve a goal, right? But in that case, which is hunt down Will Smith or Minority Report a lot of sensors and track Tom Cruise. Uh, Or actually, the one I really is the movie Twister. I don't know if you know. They put a whole bunch of sensors into the hurricanes and monitor the hurricanes, right? So these are, you know, I I found actually Hollywood movies or the the fiction authors, they are really advanced into this, actually.
1: Twister is one of those movies that comes on once a year on a channel that you're flipping through. And you Mm -hmm. always have to stop and watch it. And those little sensors that go up and they open up and, and just scan the whole tornado, it's super fascinating. Well, I love that you're basically an incredible example of moving from inspiration to ideation and then transforming that into such a meaningful business. I, too, am quite a technology geek. I'm not an engineer by background, uh, but as my early days of starting one of my clean tech companies, I dug in and drafted patents and learned about diodes and resistors and capacitors and how they monitored and managed power, you know, through complex networks. So I love getting into the technology side and then finding a way to uh, share that story with a market or or audience, which kind of moves me into sort of the next piece. You know, how are companies using data collection services like yours to reduce emissions? It'd be great to get a few case studies from you.
0: Great. So number one is you need to measure what matters. And if you don't measure it, you just cannot make changes. What we so when we look at this and then we start from, okay, so what's what matters in climate change? Right. So what is what are the big problems? Right. Then we found out actually methane emissions is one of the biggest problem, you know, to fight uh, climate change because we just we didn't measure it. And it's bad. It's 25 times worse than CO2, for example, methane. And then we start looking to okay, so how do we measure it now? Is there one sensor as a silver bullet, and then can you know just measure all the methane emissions? No, actually, in order to know the emissions of methane, either as a leak or venting, you need all kinds of different sensors, from the satellites to the drones, helicopters trucks, mobile, it's called mobile uh, gr- ground lab into fixed sensors. And at the end, you need people to carry a thermal camera to look at the leaks and quantify it. And then for us, wow, well, measure or quantify uh, or repair <laughs> uh, methane emissions require a data fabric, requires a sensor web. So we fit right in. We like, oh yeah, there's a big problem. And then it seems we are the right solutions. And we validate the market. And yes, the integrated uh, solutions to quantify and repair the methane leaks is a big problem and we started and then yeah and we have customers doing it and then back yesterday actually we have one new customer online and we start to see them discovering leaks right one by one in real time fighting the global you know the climate change uh, one leak at a time right yesterday was a good day
1: that should be your tagline, fighting climate change one leak at a time.
0: <laughs> yeah, and from detection to action.
1: <laughs> because exactly. once
0: you find a leak, you need to you know stop it, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there are many conversations around carbon dioxide and whatnot, but methane really is at a critical moment. For years, it's been overlooked in the climate conversation. And yes. you know, if we saw some of the news come out of the UN just two days ago, um, that it, you know, if we don't start acting now, we continue to face the devastation of climate change.
0: If I add even more, what we try to do is always try to find a global impact, right? So we can develop a solution, which is proprietary to censor up, for example. But no, we always try to do things openly, and interoperably. So that means, for example, in the methane, right? We work with uh, our partner like TC Energy and Synovus, and we develop a the world's first international methane data exchange standard. The goal is to build an interoperable integrated methane sensor web, so that you know we can not only sensor up. So it's everybody can join this effort and make the data flow easily, and we can fight climate change.
1: I agree 100%. You know, after supporting over 750 Canadian clean tech companies over the last few years, more and more are saying, you know, it's the data that matters. We need to know where the problems are, how big are the problems? And then from there, we can decide how are we going to tackle these problems? How much resources are really required? And quite frankly, if we make those investments in technology, how will that impact reducing GHG emissions? And then, of course, for us, that expands into reducing water consumption and all, methane. All the aspects can be bundled up into this net zero transition. Exactly. Exactly. So looking at the bigger picture, what is the potential for data collection or the internet of things when it comes to climate change? I mean, you've talked about a collective coming together for methane. Do you see a path forward across other gaseous fuels, intakes, outputs, other sectors, other means, mechanisms?
0: Definitely. Definitely. Okay, let me say a little short story, okay? <laughs> as a professor, okay, when I grew up as a grad student, you know, we, we read books from famous professors. So one year I was invited to the Ohio State University to give a keynote and then in a dinner and a professor show up you know, on sensors, right? Uh, his, his research was on sensor. I was like, whoa, I read your book when I grew up. And I was like, okay, I, I should ask some smart questions. So I was nervous, yeah? It's like, if, if you sit next to Brad Pitt, right? So what questions should I ask Brad Pitt? Right? Something <laughs> like that, right? And ask the questions like, professor so-and-so, right? How come I follow your career? And how come every time you choose, you choose the um, research topic so accurately, you kind of, you predict the future. And he told me, oh, the answer is very easy. Is Moore's law. Look at how computing power, okay, and the cost of computing will be in the next year or two or three, right? And you can predict what sensor technology. is a proxy, right? So what kind of computation, what kind of AI, what kind of sensor technologies will be available to you, okay? And Moore's law is like every 12 to 18 months, the you know density of transistors doubled, right? And the mm-hmm. cost halved. And it's exponential growth. So use that to predict the future. So if you we follow that Moore's law, right? And this is like, really, you, you don't know the AI in the next five years, right? Moore's law, right? Because you know your computing power will be uh, 64 times better. So for example, if you look at this, right? So we know actually in the next five or 10 years, the number of sensors, the low power sensors connected to the internet will be 24 times, uh, 64 times more. And from there, you can say, okay, so that means my capacity, the things I can monitor will be at least tripled or quadrupled. And then what are the possibilities I can have? And all the price of sensors will drop significantly, exponentially. Okay, so I have my new capabilities, right? And what's infrastructure required? What kind of algorithms required? What kind of architecture required? And you, you work on, you know, based on that. Right. So for us, we bet, what we predict on this data fabric because when you know the number of sensors grow exponentially, they cannot be siloed. You need this data fabric to connect from sensor into AI and into actions. In today, the actions will be still people, the boots on the ground, go there and fix things, stop the leaks. Maybe in five or ten years, it'll be robot dogs and go there and fix the leaks. I don't know. We still need a data fabric, and I think this cool. will be more and more important.
1: I think if your movie references come through, Star Trek is not too far away. It's absolutely incredible how devices have evolved in such a short period of time. I have a 15-year-old daughter and uh, conversations, she could articulate how to use a dial phone, so I was pleased with that. (laughs) But the amount of capacity and technology that they're reducing into such small spaces, it kind of makes you think about all of the possible and potential that we have for technology uh, in the future it's it's absolutely mind-blowing sometimes
0: yeah you think about it for example in 1970s right a gps receiver is like as big as a table or desk today it's just one tiny single chip and costs less than a dollar more so. law.
1: <laughs> absolutely you Um, One of my first companies, we actually did uh, semiconductor production, uh, outsourced it, of course, to a a proper manufacturer, but it was part of our secret sauce to condense uh, some of the innovation components into a small space. What needs to happen in order for your technology to be applied on a large scale to combat climate change? Are there barriers? Are there hurdles? How can people help your, your technology accelerate into the market?
0: We remove one friction, which is let, you know, the data format and semantics to allow the data to flow freely. And then we believe actually more and more companies and government regulation bodies, right? Once they have this capability, they can start to develop new business models, a new way to collaborate, or new responsibilities, right? For the, you know, for example, like the uh, the duty holders, right? The emitters, right? And then so they can start to innovate. A new ways to do, for example, to do this um, uh, methane reduction and repair cheaper, better, and faster, for example. So I believe uh, there are still some, you know, exciting part we need to be done, which is like a new business model, right? I believe in that actually it's you no. Know, the business model actually can solve a lot of new you know, problems, right? If it's, we can find a win-win-win situation, we can reduce emissions at the same time, you know, make money at the same time, uh, improve the technology innovation, can be repurposed for other areas. And then we have the win-win-win, for example. I think that's a very exciting. But what we try to do in SenseUp is really in order to enable that, you need this data fabric to interconnect different sensors, data sources into the actions. Just imagine when they developed the World Wide Web, uh, Tim Berners lee and the developer in CERN, right, in Switzerland. At the beginning, okay. it's just to share documents. It wasn't de- developed for Facebook or even Metaverse, but it, he developed this fabric to share documents, evolved to today's World Wide Web, the Facebook, the, you know, in the future Metaverse, right? And what we try to do here is, once we give this capability interconnect connect different data sources to actions, new things will happen. New business models will happen. I'm excited.
1: So looking forward, you know, you've built your business to a certain stage. What kind of supports does a company like you need to continue to scale and tap into these global markets?
0: Talent. Talent, talent, yeah. talent. is, uh, Of course, there's fundraising, right? We're fundraising all the time. And then we try to innovate in products. We try to sell so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, I think what important is the most precious asset we have are the people, you know, the talent. And how can we build a high performance team and they can do something they feel meaningful, impactful, and then challenging. And in order to do that, we need talent. So it's back to my professor, but I'm a professor as well, right? So that's my biased view. is like mm-hmm. talent is so critical and important. I told my team right so because they wonder like why did you do this to yourself right your professor if you have a good job and why are you doing your company right so stressed out right i said I, I like two things so one is i like unique journey unique experiences and i like to do it with other people so it could be like go to a concert or listen that but i just like to create new things and building new software So I start my company, I want everybody to have this opportunity working with me. I have opportunity working with them to create this unique experience, to create something massive. That's number one. And number two is I want to create wealth for them. Let's build this together. And, you know, unique journey plus wealth creation. That's my dream. I'm living my dream.
1: It didn't take you long to respond. Talent is absolutely coming up in so many conversations. And how do we get more people from around the world coming to Canada to help us build ventures in Canada, I'm sure is, is conversations at many different tables.
0: How to attract talent as well, right? It's our responsibility to, you know, to do that. And for me, it's unique experience and wealth creation.
1: Closing off here. What advice would you give an entrepreneur who wants to run a carbon neutral operation, get into clean tech, sustainability, technology, hardware? What advice would you give?
0: And I'm part of Creative Destruction Lab, CDL. I'm a mentor. And I also was, a, you know, the company was a participant of the CDL. I really like the mantra. It's like build something massive. Try to create a vision and build something massive with the ambition. And then when you have a North Star and it's so clear and so shining, so bright, you can attract the like-minded people to go with you and enjoy that journey and hopefully create some wealth.
1: Absolutely. It sounds like you're building an incredible culture and inclusive culture at Sensor Up. And we've been following your journey at Foresight and can't wait to see what you do next. To close off, is there anything else you would add or want to share with the Clean Tech Forward community and listeners?
0: I encourage everybody to think about, you know, to have a system kind of thinking rather than think silo. Uh, so, think about okay how can i stitch these different things or data systems and actions together and i can do things you know cheaper better and faster you know think about what data fabric can i build and to you know make new things happen right so i really encourage everybody to think about that and then if you need a platform i mean talk to me <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you so much steve it's been such a pleasure having you on i love the movie reference love your passion about technology innovation. And of course, you're clearly an expert in what you do. Thank you for coming on and have a great rest of your day.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Clean Tech Forward podcast wherever you listen and to rate and review the show on iTunes. Join us next time when we come back with JF Gote, the founder and CEO of Startup Genome. See you
0: soon. To learn more about Foresight's programs, events, and more, visit us at ForesightCAC.com or follow us on social at ForesightCAC.